Apologist for Islam and author of the bestseller Deceiving Infidels for Dummies, Reza Aslan, welcome to The Herd Mentality. Nobody seems to care. I certainly don't. Nobody really listens to the show. Now, I'd like to discuss women in the Muslim world. We're not talking about women in the Muslim world. Ah, see, here's the thing, Reza. Unfortunately, you don't have a say in what's about to happen. These kinds of conversations that we're having aren't really being had in any kind of legitimate way. Correct. Now, let's play a word game. Given that you're a master of this, could you give me an example of a Texas sharpshooter fallacy, please? Do you know that Muslims have elected seven women as their heads of states? Now, would you mind using the verb to behead in the past tense? Beheaded. Finally, a statement regarding progressive women's rights in the Middle East. Well, in Saudi Arabia, they can't drive. Fantastic. Now, let me just adjust this for you. Do you know that Muslims have beheaded seven women? They can't drive. Great work, Reza. Now we understand how easy it is to manipulate data and turn an audience to our agenda. Let's take it to the next level. I mean, the argument about the female genital mutilation being an Islamic problem is a perfect example of that. It's not an Islamic problem, it's an African problem. So not Islamic at all? It's a Central African problem. Eritrea has almost 90% female genital mutilation. It's a Christian country. Okay, but you've neglected to mention Egypt, which is predominantly Islamic. The World Health Organization study in 2000 found that 97% of married women had been victims. So, you see, you two can play at this game. Yeah, and that's actually empirically, factually incorrect. Nope, it's there in black and white. It even shows that 41% of students in primary, preparatory and secondary schools have been circumcised. But here's an opportunity for you to change the topic. Ethiopia has 75% uh, female genital mutilation. It's a Christian country. Predominantly Christian, yes. So then how about Djibouti, Gambia, Guinea, Mali, Mauritiana, and Somalia, all of which are predominantly Islamic and all of which have higher than 75% FGM rates. You're misleading people. Nowhere else in the Muslim, Muslim majority states is female genital mutilation an issue. Incorrect. I forgot to mention Sudan, which is 90%, and I can list a dozen others higher than 50%. That's somehow representative of Islam. Now we're getting somewhere. But it's not just representative of Islam, it's representative of religion. We need to interpret the data fairly. Uh, I mean, what, what does Islam promote? Islam doesn't promote violence or peace. Does it promote equality? Indonesia, women are absolutely 100% equal to men. So getting 106th out of 148 ranked countries on the gender inequality index must have been a misprint. They do, however, have 18.2% representation in parliament, though. You make these facile arguments. No, I'm fixing yours. I thought you'd appreciate it. Of course not. Reza Aslan, thanks for coming on The Herd Mentality. It's frankly, and I use this word seriously, stupid. Welcome to The Herd Mentality, an eclectic weekly mix of atheistic, humanistic and scientific conversations with complete strangers. I've never met them and they've never met me, but we're throwing caution to the wind, taking a risk with a dodgy internet connection, and God willing, entertain you with some scintillating repartee. I'm your host, Questionable Adam, found on Twitter, Facebook and Google+, and it's time to meet our guests. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Herd Mentality and down the line with me, both from Australia, we have Josh Godby. Welcome, Josh. Thanks, Adam. And your Twitter handle is at Skeptiverse, am I right? That's correct, with, yes. With a K, Skeptiverse with a K. And Iran. Hi, Adam. Would you mind spelling out your Twitter handle, please? It's E-R-A-N-S-E-G-E-V. 
Fantastic. Or as I uh, say when I speak to any random person that I have to speak to, it's uh, Echo Romeo Alpha November, Sierra Echo Golf Echo Victor. Oh, you've, um, you're well versed in that. <laughs> well practiced. <laughs> and where are you guys from? What are you involved with? So we're both from Australian Skeptics. I'm the president and the convener of the convention that we'll surely speak about. And I'm just the hanger on and get to do whatever work gets left behind. Mm. I think Josh doesn't give himself enough credit. <laughs> Josh is a valued member of both the committee and the uh, organizing subcommittee. Well, this remains to be seen because I'll be coming along to check out your fine work, Josh, coming along to the Australian Skeptics Convention, which, uh, according to my electric calendar here, tells me that it's the 28th, 29th and 30th of November. So that's not far away. Nope, not far away at all. How is it looking so far? It's looking very good. We have a, a very long task list. And we've gone through most of the stuff in the task list and we are continuing. Everything is running according to plan. We are slightly ahead of schedule, which is the way you want to be in a project like this. It's a wonderful venue and a wonderful list of uh, speakers that we have. So everything's looking very good. Excellent. And I can vouch for the venue. I went and saw John Cleese there several months ago. It's a wonderful okay. little spot. Yes. It's actually just down the road from where I live. It's in Chatswood in Sydney and... High-profile speakers coming along, guys. Who's coming? Definitely some of the, the highest profile is the whole SGU crew will be coming across. Mm -hmm. We've got Marsh from Skeptics with a K, the checkout crew. So we've got Julian Morrow, Kirsten Drysdale, and Chaz Lichardello. Now, for the international listeners, that's a program It's quite a successful program on the ABC, which is our national broadcasting network in there. So there's no advertisements, but it's actually a show about advertisements. It's a consumer protection show, and they will be participating in a panel about consumer protection. They take everything with a, a good <laughs> dash of humor, don't they? They're <laughs> and they're no strangers to controversy. Yeah, so they're, they're probably best known for their Osama bin Laden stunt a few years ago, which ended up getting a number of them arrested, I believe. Chaz was dressed as Osama Bin Laden and tried to get into a high-profile meeting of heads of state mm -hmm. and managed to. <laughs> Easy as that. And, and was the only one who didn't get arrested. Google that, guys. Go and have a, a squiz of what happened there because it did make all the headlines in Australia at the time. And any other guests, high-profile speakers coming along for this? Maybe we should just add that this consumer protection panel that the guys from The Chaser and Checkout will be in, that will also include Alan Kirkland, who's the um, CEO of Choice Magazine, consumer affairs magazine, very well-known, very well-respected in Australia, and uh, Delia Ricard, who's the deputy head of the ACCC, Ooh. consumer watchdog, so yeah. to speak, the Australian Consumer and Competition Commission. I have some high-profile speakers for that panel, which will be moderated by Michael Marsh from Skeptics with a K. Consumers are becoming more informed. This is what I'm sort of finding as the internet and uh, search tools and reviews and so forth become more prevalent. People are making better informed decisions. Yeah, I must say, I recently just bought my apartment and basically all of the appliances I bought, I looked up on the Choice site before buying them. We actually have a little bit of a joke with Choice. We work with them very closely. We have, we have done for years and uh, we have a little joke that uh, we're basically... Uh, both organizations have very much the same approach, except they don't do ghosts and we don't do washing machines. <laughs> um, so so it's, I think it's a very, very fitting that we should have that kind of panel and that we should have that kind of involvement from the main consumer protection people in this country. Very well. And other speakers? To Australian listeners, he'll be uh, very well known and much loved. We've got Dr. Carl Kruzelnicki coming along. Mm-hmm. 
and our patron Dick Smith, who again to Australian listeners is quite well known, but uh, to overseas listeners, he's a, a he was a millionaire um, philanthropist, I think you could call him, who's also quite involved in a whole whole bunch of different endeavours now outside of his old business ties. Peter Fitzsimons, who's a journalist here in Australia, writes about a whole bunch of different things. Well, Peter Fitzsimons, uh, should, should, should point out, he's a very vocal advocate of skepticism and atheism um, in the public sphere in Australia. He's an ex-rugby player, well-respected journalist and author, and he will be speaking about things that he's learned in his recent book about uh, Gallipoli. I expect there will be a sceptical slant to the talk, but it will be about Gallipoli. <laughs> Dr. Carl does do several different call-in shows on the BBC and the ABC in Australia, and he has been doing so for many, many, many years. In fact, he's one of Australia's most trusted people. Yeah, if you have uh, you know any American listeners to the show, he's our Bill Nye. He pretty much is, isn't he? <laughs> he is, definitely. <laughs> uh, we have Sonia Pemberton, who's an Emmy Award-winning movie producer and director. She will talk about her movie Jabbed, which is an amazingly well-made documentary about vaccines and about the risks inherent in vaccines, which there are risks uh, in any medical intervention, but also the benefits of vaccines and what happens when people do not vaccinate. So that was a very good documentary, which was aired in Australia, I think about a year ago now. And the American version is, uh, I think, is just being finalized. So uh, she will be there. We'll have Robin Williams from, a, from the Science Unit in ABC Radio. We will have our own Dr. Rachie. Dr. Rachel Dunlop, oh, yes. who's the Vice President of Australian Skeptics, and she will be speaking about issues with the peer review system. And we will have additional speakers that are perhaps less well-known, but will obviously also contribute a lot. I think we tried to create a bit of a mix of well-known and less well-known speakers, especially for the Australian audience. We obviously want the lineup to be attractive, but we also want people to be exposed to things that they haven't been exposed to before. The full list of speakers is available on the convention website, which is skeptics.com.au slash convention. Which is also exactly where you might go in order to get a ticket to said convention. Absolutely. Now, I've actually got some people coming to stay at the Herd Mentality Recording Dungeon for the duration of this convention. So I've got a couple of listeners to the show coming up from Adelaide. I've got Jake Farwarden from the Imaginary Friends show. He's coming down from Brisbane to Sydney to stay for that weekend. And I've also got somebody by the name of Alan. He's uh, He hosts a a science podcast in French, and he's flying all the way over from Switzerland to attend this. So I'm going to have a full house, but just as a side note, anybody listening to this, if the only thing preventing you from coming to this convention is the accommodation costs, pack a tent, a mattress, and a sleeping bag, and you're welcome to crash in my yard. <laughs> I've got quite a large backyard, and th there'll be quite a few people here who will all hang out for the weekend and we'll share cabs over to the convention. It's really not very far. Tell me about the dinner on the Saturday night. Sure. So, the, I guess the dinner is after the first day of the convention on Saturday night, starting at uh, 7 o'clock. It's a three-course dinner with an, with an SGU event. Typically, they have their auction. They get somebody in to auction off a whole bunch of stuff and they provide some light entertainment. We also have an entertainer who is Nicholas Johnson and he's known as the Honest Con Man, I believe. <laughs> and he basically fools people even after he has told people he's going to fool them. So it should be a very fun night. And it's a nice meal as well in a nice mm. setting. And yeah. 
So and you get to meet us. Oh yes, we're all going to be there. How many people do you think will be at the convention in its entirety? Okay, we will be exceeding 350. Uh, I don't want to give precise numbers right now, but so we will be definitely exceeding 350. Whether we get to 400, we'll just have to see what the bookings are like over the last uh, over the next couple of weeks. Well, that, but it that, is that depends um, how many people come and stay in my backyard. <laughs> That's true. I'll uh, probably get 50 uh, in there. <laughs> Standing room only. Yeah. <laughs> With uh, 350, this is already the second largest convention Australian skeptics have had. It is the 30th in a row. Every single year we've had for 30 years. And this will be the second biggest after TAM Australia, which we had in 2010, also in Sydney. Quite a large convention by our standards. So on your backyard, I can provide accommodation for about eight mm. <laughs> in the tents that I can provide. Josh, anything further to add? Did you want to mention something about the awards, Arat? So the few things we could talk about, we could talk about the awards. On the Friday night, so as you mentioned, the, the dates of the conference are, the, of the convention are the 28th to the 30th, and the 28th is the Friday. There are no, there are no talks on the Friday, and the, the, we, it is not actually at, at the same venue at the Concourse Center in uh, Chatswood, uh, but we will have very close by at the Chatswood Club, a few minutes walk away from, from the concourse, we will have a special welcome event, and the welcome event will be well, it's basically two events in one. So there is the the, the club has two levels. The, on the the ground floor there will be an open event that's free for everyone to attend. There is a bar there with the restaurant, and you, you can eat and chat and drink and and meet speakers and other conference attendees who will be there. On on level one there will be a, a paid event by the SGU and George Rubb. They call it the SGU Extravaganza and Quiz Show. Part of the extravaganza will be George will be asking trivia questions, which will pit the audience against the SGU crew. Well, I'm looking forward to all of that. I, I really can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Josh and Iran, thank you very much for coming on to share your expertise, perhaps, in getting this all set up, you know, your insight. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Adam. We look forward to uh, seeing you and your and the other podcasters. We we value the uh, obviously very much the importance of uh, podcasting and skeptical movement, and uh, we will provide facilities for podcasters to you know, to sit quietly with some speakers and record. And hopefully, there will be a lot of output from that conference in that respect as well. I'll take you up on that offer. I'll see you then. Thank you very much, Thanks, Adam. Adam. Hi, I'm Spencer Lucas, and I am the founder and organizer of the Non-Conference. What is the Non-Conference? It's the only Canadian conference east of the Fraser River that is specifically geared for non-believers, non-theists, and nuns, atheists, agnostics, humanists, freethinkers, materialists, rationalists, secularists, pantheists, skeptics, empiricists, naturalists, friendly theists as well. You get the idea. Today will start at 11 o'clock sharp in the heart of the University of Toronto's downtown campus. Though not affiliated to the university, this conference will be discussing heady subjects. The ideas will be torn from today's headlines. Many of our speakers have written the articles we, in the atheist community, have been sharing through social media. The old tiresome canard is that atheists believe in nothing. The show Seinfeld was a show about nothing. Maybe the non-conference is the conference about nothing. Come and find out November 1st, Saturday, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. we got a lineup of nine fantastic speakers for you. Come and join Nate Feltz. He left the Westboro Baptist Church on his 18th birthday. He journeyed from Topeka, Kansas to Calgary, Alberta, from the most infamous church in North America to a spokesperson for atheism and LGBT rights. He has seen what faith can do. 
Joining him will be bioethicist Arthur Schaefer with his talk on how not to do ethics and religious studies professor Doug Cowan talking about why atheism matters. We have Andrea Houston, journalist, talking about Catholic public schools and gay-straight alliances. We have Executive Director of Evidence for Democracy, Katie Gibbs, talking about science and democracy. We have Jack Pasht from Dying with Dignity, talking about reason and the terrible death. And finally, we have Faisal Al-Matur, Ali A. Rizvi, and Alishba Zarmin, talking about Islam and Islamophobia. So join us at One King College Circle in Toronto at the McLeod Auditorium. Join the conversation. Be part of the change. Come to the first annual non-conference, a conference for non-believers, humanists, secularists, and everyone. Joining me on the line, I've got Kevin Davis, who's an author. Kevin, how are you, sir? I'm well, Adam. How are you? Very well, thanks. Where are you joining us from? I am in the U.S., uh, in New York State. Rightio. That's not the capital. <laughs> uh, it is not, but uh, some New Yorkers like to think it is. A common misconception. A lot of people think that Sydney's the capital of Australia. It's actually Canberra. There you go. little factoid <laughs> for the day. Now, your Twitter handle, at Divided Under God. Talk me through that. Uh, Divided Under God refers to my website, dividedundergod.com, and it's the blog I started uh, about three years ago now, and it's dedicated to uh, bringing to light church-state separation issues, primarily in the U.S., that are in the media, Supreme Court cases, legislation, things like that. Mm -hmm. Spreading the good word, as it were. Trying to join the cause and, um, you know, gain a following and, and bring to light issues that may not be heard, you know, through other outlets, trying to raise some awareness. And we've been actually been able to uh, do some good with the site. I have a few other writers that work with me from time to time, and we've actually had a positive impact uh, here and there when, when we've broken some stories. So it's been a good experience so far. Fantastic. But that's dividedundergod.com. But you've also knocked out a book as well. I have. A couple of months ago, I released my first book called Understanding an Atheist, A Practical Guide to Relating to Non-Believers. This isn't for the atheist per se. This is for family members, friends of atheists who require another resource, perhaps, to open some doors. Right. So the book was kind of spawned by my own experiences and what I've faced as a former religious person growing up with a Catholic family in the U.S., dealing with kind of the reactions I get from friends and family who um, are all religious and may not uh, know that they uh, know atheists per se besides myself, and kind of dealing with the elephant in the room, so to speak, at family functions, at holiday dinners, and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's available in ebook, paperback, and you've also got an audio book on your website, so I'd go and have a look at that. But the book itself addresses some pretty common questions that a lot of the listeners to this show will have already heard, Or, but being able to read it in a book might be a way to soften the blow. So questions like, what happens when we die? I mean, that's something that a lot of religious people can't really come to terms with. I speak to some pretty rational people myself, and they just simply don't like the idea of us blinking out of existence. How do you cover that? Very simply, we die, right? So just like any other 
animal uh, on the earth. We die, we decompose if our friends and family allow us to, or we're preserved somewhere or cremated, and that's it. That's the end of our existence, uh, and that's what atheists believe, because we don't have evidence to the contrary. We don't believe in ghosts normally, and we don't think that there's a spirit that goes to some afterlife. We think that we are material that uh, came from the earth and goes back to the earth. I think uh, Dr. Professor Deepak Chopra might have some argument with you there <laughs> in terms of consciousness. Uh, sorry, cosmic consciousness. <laughs> Deepak uh, definitely has that Nobel Prize coming, I think. <laughs> Eventually, maybe, in this life or the next. Another question, sort of along the lines of Pascal's wager, why don't we go to church just in case? I mean, that's pretty commonly asked. Why don't you believe just in case? How do you respond to that sort of query? You know, that's the question that uh, a lot of religious people ask atheists um, or are afraid to ask atheists in some cases, which is why, you know, the book was written. So, you know, the, the easy answer is we don't because it's kind of a logical fallacy, right? So, there are, you know, thousands of gods that have been created or have appeared in the, the history of man. There's a very, very small chance that the God that whoever you are believing, friend or family member who's asking that question is the correct one. So following the popular God of the day is not exactly an effective way to hedge the bet. Well, it's all about hedging bets, isn't it? Sure. There's, I think, about 3,800, 3,900 gods at godchecker.com. So a wonderful... <laughs> little resource there as well you should go and check out but uh, you very kindly agreed to post out a signed copy to a listener of this show so one of the people who support the show his name's andrew waddington and i think he's based down the south end of australia down in melbourne so andrew thanks for supporting the show and kevin's very kindly offered to send you out a copy of the book as well that's great i'm glad to send that out this book isn't just for the uh, you know believers who have an atheist friend or family and certainly that's primarily the the audience for the book. However, there are some other topics of interest, I, I guess you could say, that may be helpful for atheists who are dealing with friends and family who may not be accepting of them. And in the back of the book, there's actually some uh, examples of religious folks who have gone through the experience and, and may have been uh, unaccepting of their friends and family, but kind of had that aha moment where they realized that it wasn't best to, you know, shun their family or shut them out or not talk to them or not talk about religion in general and, and really turn things around. So there's some success stories there. And um, also I introduce a concept that I call progressive atheism as a suggestion to atheists as a way to kind of shift the attitude from an adversarial relationship uh, with the religious towards a partnership with progressive religious groups and kind of in a way to work together toward a common goal. So whether that's something in the community, something in the uh, in the political sphere, things like that. Mm. Look, I very much admire that attitude. I think it's something that's that's lacking by and large. It's very easy to go on the offensive, but it's it's much harder to work with people to come to better outcomes, a more productive future. There's organizations such as Be Secular, Mark Nebo mm -hmm. and Shannon Nebo there, they work in a similar vein working in concert with different religious organizations to, to achieve much the same thing. So that the fact that these are addressed in your book and being able to give even atheists a different attitude towards the topic of beginning conversations, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, I think collectively, whatever we can do to kind of take that stigma away from the word atheist is going to do us all some good. 
I agree. Kevin, thank you very much. You can be found or followed at Divided Under God. Your website is dividedundergod.com. Thank you very much for joining us here on The Third Rate Herd Mentality. All right. Thanks for having me, Adam. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, Adam. This is Ryan from the U.S. I just wanted to take a minute and let you know how much I enjoy The Herd Mentality. I heard about your show from No Illusions and pretty much anything he recommends I listen to. And so far, that's a decision that I have yet to regret. Your Ray and Raylene bits are fantastic, your variety of guests are very interesting and informative, and your interviews that you start the show with are just hysterical. You're without a doubt in my top three favorite podcasts. There isn't really anything I can find fault with about your show, to be honest. That is, until your last show. Specifically, your adventures with the Champion of Reason at Loch Ness. In that bit, you stated that your scuba dive would be to 600 feet, and that to prevent decompression sickness, you would be breathing almost pure oxygen. While I was impressed with your knowledge of scuba diving, there were a few technical goofs I thought I would take a moment and comment on. In 1801, English physicist and chemist John Dalton observed what is now known as Dalton's Law. Dalton's Law states that the total pressure of a gas is equal to the sum of the partial pressures of the individual gases in a mixture. Somewhat more simply stated, each component of a gas mixture exerts a specific partial pressure, and that partial pressure is increased as atmospheric pressure increases. Let me give you an example. Normal air, oxygen, 21%, nitrogen, 79%, would exert a partial pressure of oxygen equivalent to 42% at depth of 33 feet, or two atmospheres. As the number of atmospheres increases, so does the partial pressure of each gas in a mixture. Now, a depth of 600 feet is equivalent to about 19 atmospheres absolute, which is to say a lot. The partial pressure of oxygen in air at that depth would be equal to 3.99, or the equivalent of breathing about 400% oxygen at the surface. Now, when regaling us with your adventures at Loch Ness, you said you were breathing almost pure oxygen for your dive. Now, while almost is not really an exact unit of measure, let's assume you were breathing an 80% oxygen mixture, which is a commonly used gas mix in certain specific types of decompression diving. With an 80% mix diving to a depth of 19 atmospheres absolute, your partial pressure of oxygen would be 15.2, or the equivalent of breathing 1,520% oxygen at the surface. Unfortunately, here's where things get a bit messy. Under very great pressure, oxygen becomes toxic at a partial pressure of greater than 2.0. This is obviously a very serious concern for divers who want to dive to depths much greater than 200 feet or so. Breathing oxygen at a partial pressure of greater than 2.0 can result in a condition known as oxygen toxicity, whose symptoms include tunnel vision, nausea, twitching, anxiety, confusion, dizziness, seizures, unconsciousness, oh, and ringing ears. And that's only the central nervous system symptoms. We won't really bother with the pulmonary symptoms for this example. It just gets a bit messy from there on. Even breathing normal air at the depths describing your adventure at Loch Ness, the partial pressure of the oxygen in your breathing gas would be more than enough to subject you and the champion of reason to pretty much all of these symptoms. Although I'm pretty sure our our gentleman would be cool, though. He's pretty boss. For the type of diving that you're describing, you would probably want to use a gas called Trimix, which actually decreases the amount of both oxygen and nitrogen in the mix and replaces it with an inert gas, usually helium. But I don't want to get all nitpicky on you. Anyway, Adam, I love the show. Keep up the good work. Cheers, mate. Herd mentalists, hear me. Questionable Adam here from the year 2074, connecting to you via the power of prophecy.
See, in 2014, I made a prophecy that future me would contact the past with a message, and look, it's all come true. It must be real. Prophecy works. The herd mentality is all about helping people do good things. In this episode, good people who have helped me to do good things did so by visiting patreon.com slash herd mentality. These people are Danny, Paul, Nicola, Sean, Stephen, Andrew, Pascal, Brian, David, Yetimon, I don't think that's a real name, Henry, Kenny, James, Tom, Harley and Keith many of whom transferred over from the old PayPal method. I thank you very much. In your honour, here's Deepak Chopra saying something incomprehensible. Or an electrochemical impulse in your own neural networks. These people are not just supporting the production of the show, however. They're also helping women in developing countries to further their education. This week, the show provided loans to Iris in Bolivia and Gloria in Nicaragua both for school fees, not selfies. If you have spare cash lying about, you can join the Herd Mentality Kiva team by visiting kiva.org. $25 can help change a life. The show has now made 24 loans at Kiva over $600. Your support is fueling change where it's most needed. Now I must run. Apparently there's a Raygate sketch coming up and it's not yet edited. Goodbye! wants with us. And he's yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued as well, but I really missed him. I'm looking forward to seeing Oh, yes. Oh, he's, a, he's a wonderful friend of mine. I, I love everything he does. I worship the ground he walks on. Uh, but the, the Titanarch, I mean, that, that latest project of his that's been going on for, well, forever now, uh, unsuccessfully. Mm. Uh, but, he, I mean, why yeah, would he... Yeah, it does sound... A little bit ambitious, I must say. Why would he specifically ask for you and me and to bring the butt plug? Well, isn't that every man's dream? (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps it is. Maybe he's got some sort of fetish. Uh, Well, you can't blame him. He's only human. I mean, you know, if only you felt the same way about me, right? No, no, no. Okay, look, we're here now anyway. So just, uh, what's the door? Hello? Ray, Raylene, how are you, my friend? Oh, Ken, hello. Oh, good to see you. Oh, Raylene, you're as gorgeous as ever. Oh, Ken. (laughs) No, don't don't give her too much, Ken, uh, but uh, you're looking rather dapper. Oh, thank you, thank you. My chin strap, how's it looking? Beautiful. uh, The bloodshot uh, chin strap goes beautifully with your eyes. I was going for Amish Wolverine, what do you reckon? (laughs) I reckon that you've stolen that joke from another podcast called The Scathing Atheist, and Noah's going to be very, very angry. Okay. How, how about extra old Abraham Lincoln, because he never got to be there? <laughs> That'll do. That'll do. Always good to see you, Ken. You too. Right. Now, uh, well, I mean, you, we, we're here now. You, you've called us as a matter of urgency uh, using the secret code AGM for the mm. for the ARC general meeting, but we've got the eight horsepower solid gold butt plug here. What? I mean, you haven't asked about this in forever. What's going on? Well, you see, as I was reading through the word, 
I, I came across a, a little problem with my design schematics, you see. The Ark doesn't have any form of propulsion that I can see, and while I tried to use prayer, it's proved, you know, elusive so far. Ah, and, and obviously you thinking, need more prayer, and that's why you called us. Yes, that's right. Um, and while while I was speaking with the Lord, you know, he, he spoke to me in a private word, and he said, you need power. And I thought, what is the most powerful item that I know of? And uh, and it came to me. Right. The butt plug. Oh, yes, of course. I mean, it's mm. unbridled. It's out of control. Uh, absolutely. So uh, what were you planning to uh, to do here? I mean, how, how can an 8-horsepower solid gold butt plug possibly help your Titanic? Oh, well, uh, as, a, as a means of propulsion, obviously, we can't just chuck it in the water and expect the, uh, expect the arc to go. That'd be silly. No, that'd be uh, ridiculous. Uh, we're we're going to plug it into my Triceratops. Oh, <laughs> right. Okay. And, and she's going to push the arc as the uh, as the butt plug powers her. Ah, no, well, that makes perfect sense. I'm just, hang on, I've got my pocket Bible here. Mm. Uh, nothing about a triceratops here, though. Oh, oh look, it's it's all in the Anything subtext. Anything about a um, Contosaurus Rex? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's something here about that joke being cut. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, chapter 7, uh, verse 2. And Ra's joke will be cut because it's just too low brow. <laughs> the whole fucking show low brow? <laughs> chapter 7, verse 2. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and the female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and the female. So, well, I guess that counts out Raylene. She won't be taking this voyage with you. Well, That's not very nice, I Ray. wanted to talk to you both about that, you see. Right. Uh, I had a bit of trouble figuring out how to get enough food for all of the animals into the ark. Uh, again, I was in prayer and the Lord spoke to me in a private word and he said... He uh, seems you to do that a lot. Yeah. He, he said, you need something that's bigger on the inside than the outside. A TARDIS. And, well... uh, well, yes. well, the do the doctor was actually unavailable. He's got prior commitments on BBC One on Sunday <laughs> evenings. Um, uh, I thought next best thing, what's a hallway that never a sausage has touched the side of? Over to you, Raylene. It's speaking of the TARDIS, that that really was my nickname at university, well, <laughs> Christian University, because um, the before the renovations, it it really was like a TARDIS, you know, much bigger on the outside, and actually after the renovations, it's still like a TARDIS. I mean, the Lord does not work that kind of miracle. So yes, I, I can probably help you there. I can um, store quite a lot of food in my cavernous clunge. Will the uh, will the food get damp and disgusting while it's up there? Oh no no! I've got really low progesterone. It's like the Sahara up there. It's quite <laughs> good, it's quite good. dry. Good good. No worries. <laughs> uh, all right then. Well, all I need from you, Ray, is to uh, is to leave Raylene with me and the solid gold butt plug, and I'll uh, and I'll get on my way. Well, well no. <laughs> well, well, Ray, come just, on! I, no, just, I, I've spent seventeen. Ray, I've spent seventeen million dollars of taxpayer funds on this. Oh yes, okay? but I had to lie through my teeth about this being an educational museum in order to get them to pay for this. I need to get this happening, or else my investors—they're going to come for me, man. Well, no, 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 no. You can't take Raylene. I mean, she's uh, she's she's integral. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll quite 
comfortably let you go on a tour of the Ark Park just around the, oh, look, the moat. Yeah, yeah. tell you what, why don't, why don't we just see... Look, I'll just do a quick turn around the Ark Park, mm-hmm. okay? I'll, we'll just try out the solid gold butt plug as a propulsion device. We'll see if, if Raylene's bucket fanny fits on the Ark, uh, and I'll just do a quick five-minute, you know, just up and back again. What do you reckon? Oh, well, you know, anything for you, Ken, because, uh, well, you're my best friend. All right, well... Uh, thank you so much, and uh, great moustache, by the way. Oh. All right, so uh, Raylene, why don't you come up here with me? We'll sit on top of the ark with all, right. all of the animals that wouldn't fit inside of it. You go up here. Yeah, I'll, that's I'll, fine. Um, I'll go down I, below. I really love that little moment between you two. It was very homoerotic. <laughs> I don't think Jesus would approve. Oh, look, Jesus had a full <laughs> beard, so he understands. Uh, even though we're men of the Bible, I think we're just going to let that one slide. <laughs> In and then out said. again. right so you guys go up top i'll just install the uh, eight horsepower solid gold butt plug through the back of the arc there through the bung hole let me just grab a triceratops and insert it onto the hang on there we go and how's uh, it going? Is she kicking? She looks good to go. Alright, give the ark a good old push for me, buddy. Alright, now only one lap around the park? Yep, yep, no worries. Excellent. And away we go. Okay, thank you. No. Bye. See you in a few months. No. What? Pirate! No, no! Frank. No! Frank. No, come back! <laughs> come back! Come back! Curse you him. Raylene, Raylene, can you grab my waist? I've got a really good idea. Oh, go on. You got, you got a hold of me? You got a hold of me? Yeah, yeah, I've got you, Ken. I'm the king of the world! She's got her phone in her bucket, Fanny. That's what the problem is. Yes. No, can you not hear oh, me? Now, now, there you now are. we can. Has there been, you know, a bit of a spit roast between Rayleigh and Ken? And <laughs> May- yeah, maybe. 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 <laughs> Ken Ham and, and Ray Comfort, we've got a full beard. <laughs> you realise that? <laughs> so, so we could actually kiss... And not stuck together, like Velcro. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the reason. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> Hi, Ken. Nice to see you. Got here quick. Oh, good to see you too, Raylene. Um, should I just take you down to... <laughs> what was so funny about that? Awkward pause. <laughs> Awkward pause. Well, no one really thinks it's good to see Raylene. <laughs> Ken does. Ken's a big fan of Raylene's. They're good friends from back in the day. Uh, do you think Ken rubs one out for Raylene? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think he's got a bit of a crush. Oh, that's so lovely. He walks in with a handful. Here you go. Here's one I prepared earlier. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Should we do that again with Ken? Please. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Star Am Trek. I still having the wet fanny footsteps? Yeah, well, of course. Oh. <laughs> Don't I, sound I, disappointed. I, you love it. Well, I thought that, you know, with all the money you've made from Raygate, you would have upgraded now. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, because you're a woman, can you please do less speaking and more taking notes? Ray, right. I love it when you get all misogynistic. It <laughs> makes me moist. <laughs> well, look out. We don't want to start the flood too early. No. The park isn't quite ready yet. God. Uh, Raylene, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, massive plunge. bosoms? Oh, Ooh. not plunge. Okay. We we're, were thinking of different things. Sorry. Um, I, it's just that I could probably fit like a silo. If you got that. It's, it's a silo. All right, next problem on the meeting agenda. What have we got, Raylene? Chlamydia? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if um, Raylene and Ken did the scene off Titanic, you know, where Rose and Jack just, I'm the king of the world, and then you fade off with them. <laughs> Sorry, with um, Celine Hot. Dion, my heart. Yeah. <laughs> like, Ra Raylene, grab my waist. Ra <laughs> That's sufficiently stupid, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, so has Raylene gone forever? This is terrible. No, no, no. Like in the next one, if you even want to address it, like you could just have it roll over like a sitcom where it doesn't get addressed. Yeah. Or you could say, uh, or Raylene could make some comment about swimming back with the solid gold <laughs> butt plug held in between her teeth. And then, yeah. uh, and then can uh, and then uh, Ray goes. That's not how you hold it, Raylene. <laughs> you always use both hands. So where did we go? Where did we go when we went on the plane? At Legoland. Say? At Legoland. And what did we do in Legoland? By Lego. What else did we do? Did we go swimming in in Legoland? Yes. In in what what was Lego 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 Chima? Lego Chima. <laughs> Why are you doing this? I'm just asking you. And uh, what was the best? ride that you went on? The Lego cars. The Lego cars. And what did you get at the Lego cars? What did they give you? Um, driving license. And your driver's license, right? Did they give you? What did they give you? They gave me my driver's license. <laughs> Are you need to talk to somebody? Yeah. Sammy, did you puke in the airport? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is a hard one, Sam. And and how how much fun did we have in Legoland? One hundred. One hundred fun. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. And guys, guys, listen. What was the name of the of the city that we were in? California. California. And do you want to say thank you to everyone who helped us go on this trip? Thank you. See? Thank you. <laughs>